Welcome to the Adoption Connection Podcast, where we share resources by and for adoptive and foster moms. I'm Lisa Qualls. And this is Melissa Corkum. Don't worry, we get it and we're here for you. Welcome to Episode 135 of the Adoption Connection Podcast. In honor of Father's Day, we're devoting the month of June to a series we're calling Dad Connection. For each of the five Tuesdays this month, we're featuring a different foster or adoptive dad. Here at the Adoption Connection, we value hearing from a wide range of voices, and we're excited to bring these special dad conversations to you. This week, I had a chance to sit down with Aaron Ivey. Aaron is the pastor of worship at the Austin Stone Community Church in Austin, Texas, where he pastors a team of worship leaders, artists, storytellers, and musicians. Aaron has written and produced 10 worship albums and has written hundreds of congregational worship songs that are sung all over the world. He's passionate about mentoring and developing young leaders and world changers and spends much of his time communicating on topics of leadership, theology, art, and culture. He and his wife, Jamie, have four children, Caden, Amos, Deacon, and Story. I think you're really going to enjoy this conversation with Aaron Ivey. Hey, Aaron, welcome to the Adoption Connection podcast. Hey, thanks so much for having me. I appreciate it. Yeah, well, we're super excited. As most folks who are listening know, in June, we are just highlighting some adoptive dads. You guys are kind of like the unsung heroes in this whole equation. You know, moms are just active doing a lot of a lot of things, right? And in a lot of cases, there's a dad behind the scenes. And for whatever reason, we just don't hear from y'all as much as we hear yeah. from moms. So we're really right. glad that you're here. Well, I am too. And the, I think the reason moms are so up front is because moms are so awesome. Our, our house would not function or be nearly as fun and healthy without without Jamie, my wife. So uh, I think moms should be out in front. Yeah. Well, I love that. So you already mentioned Jamie. And I know a lot of folks probably already know your family because you guys are in a lot of places serving a lot of people well. but who kind of makes up your family? Can you just tell, give us a quick rundown? Yeah. My wife and I have been married for 20 years. Um, we have four kids. Three of them came into our family through adoption. Uh, our oldest is our only biological kid. He's uh, he's Caden. He's 17. And then we have an almost 16-year-old, a 15-year-old, and a 13-year-old. And two of our kids uh, came into our home uh, from Haiti. And then one um, was a domestic adoption from here in Texas. So that's the makeup of our family. It's incredibly fun. It's a really like fun and interesting and hard, but season right now, um, parenting teenagers is just totally different than uh, you know than any other season of parenting. But we're having a lot of fun and um, and just trying to survive. <laughs> yeah, all teenagers, right? Is everyone a teenager all of them right are now? Teenagers, yep, yep, and they're all within like four years of each other. So it feels like they're basically just all the same age. Yeah, <laughs> I. And probably one of those weird people I actually love teenagers. We have yeah. our kids are all either teenagers or young adults right now. And I just love it. It's fantastic. No, yeah. oh, it, it really is our favorite season. I mean, I was a youth pastor uh, before we had any kids. And so that was just totally normal to be like pouring into teenagers. And Jamie and I have served in student ministry, you know, back in the day when we were first married. Um, so we love teenagers. Like well, there are always teenagers in our home. Most nights of the week, there's somebody else here. It's just a blast right now. We're having a lot of fun. 
It's so fun. But have you discovered that part where like teenagers are all more fun, but they also can be like more trouble, like the trouble, like the worries also tend to be a little bit bigger. (laughs) Yeah. Like the, the, the depth of the kinds of things that you're thinking through as a parent and the things that they're going through or wrestling through things that they're going through at school or with relationships, it is so much more complex. Um, But they've become like, you know, not just these tiny humans running around, but like they're, they're growing into adulthood. They're starting to think about really deep, complex sort of things. And they're just fun. It's just a blast right now. Okay. So take us all the way back though. You know, one child by birth and the three for adoption. Where did that come from for you guys? Like whose idea was it to decide to adopt or how did you guys as a couple come to that conclusion that that was going to be part of how you built your family? Mm -hmm. Jamie and I lived in uh, right outside of Nashville, Tennessee. Um, When we first got married, uh, we had Caden and then you know, about a year and a half into it, um, we started to notice like in our community, a lot of people at our church were adopting kids from China at the time. You know, this is about 16 years ago. And we would always find ourselves at the Nashville airport, you know, cheering on a family that brought home son or daughter from China. And I mean, I guess there was probably 20, 30 families. And so it started to feel very normal that you would think about adoption and that you would consider that, you know, um, just because so many of our friends and neighbors community, um, church community was, uh, were were in the adoption process. And so it kind of just lodged in our heart. Like, why would we not consider something like that? Maybe this is how God wants to build our family and form it. And so Jamie and I walked into an adoption agency. Uh, Caden was still like a year and a half. I mean, he was like, we're, we're in a stroller kind of season. Right. And we walked into, you know, a place called Bethany Christian Services. We didn't know what we were up to. We didn't know how it worked. We, we just went in like totally blind. But we sat down with someone and said, we feel like God um, has put adoption on our heart. What's the process look like? What 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 are kind of like options? And 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 then we asked, like, what what's the biggest need right now, like in America for adoption? Because we kind of assumed we would we would start with domestic adoption. And their answer was, man, right now, uh, there's a massive need for families to adopt biracial or African-American boys. And um, that was just a, a real like no brainer for us. We're like, well, whoever is the, the biggest need, um, that's who we, we would like to kind of jump into the adoption process with. So we did that. And, um, and then we were there for Deacon's birth uh, in San Antonio, Texas. And met his birth mom, who is an extraordinary woman and um, Deacon, you know, um, has been in our home since like day two or three. I love that you mentioned airport parties. I've told the story probably on the podcast before, but so I'm an adult adoptee from Korea. I have two siblings who are adopted. And for some, some, by some weird providential craziness, I grew up on a street where like out of the eight houses, like on our block, you know, four on one side, four on the other, three of them were adoptive families from Korea and we had all grown up together. And so as a kid, the only memory I have of welcoming new babies to families was going to airports and waiting for planes to come in. And I swear, if you had asked my six-year-old self where babies came from, I probably would have told you airplanes and airports. Oh, that's amazing. And of course that was way before 
9-11, right? So we used to go, I mean, we used to like party oh, at the right. gate and yeah. like watch babies come off of planes. Um, I know it looks a lot different now, but I just love that that's a part of your family story. Yeah, it is. And we've been to so many, uh, you know, airport welcomes too, and held up signs and cheered on friends. That, that's, that's a really like a uh, beautiful part of the story to have like a community of people around you welcoming, you know, a, a new person into your family. Um, I'll, yeah, I'll never forget we had an airplane experience like that airport experience when our two kids from from Haiti came home and they came home at different times but both times we were in the Austin airport and you know I can remember holding them and going down the elevator uh, escalator and seeing like you know 50 60 of our friends with signs cheering us on that those 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 kind of memories are, are a real treasure as a part of our family story yeah, I love that. We we got off the plane from Korea, a total hot mess. What our youngest is from Korea. And I'm actually glad there were not 50 to 60 families there when we got off that plane because we had right. been awake for like 26 hours. Oh my and um, we were all kind of looked like death warmed over. But yeah, right, I mean, right. generally speaking, I love a good party. So that's that's fun. Absolutely. Um, so you mentioned you have two kids from Haiti and that your son is either black or biracial. What has that taught you guys? You know, in the last, I mean, especially I feel like the last couple of years, this has like been at the forefront of the news and a lot of things like what has your family learned or what have you learned personally as a white father raising black kids? Yeah, I'll never understand um, what it means to be black in America. Never. No matter how many books I read or documentaries I watch or how many friends I have that have that experience. I think as a dad, it's really helpful to realize and just embrace like I will never understand fully what it means to be black in America. And so Jamie and I have just decided to be like students, students of our culture, students of our, our kids experiences, uh, really students of like friends. We have so many friends, our community is very diverse and we, we intentionally, you know, have surrounded ourselves with people who look different, different age, different background, different countries that they came from or grew up in so that we can have those kind of like learned experiences. Because if you are a white parent and you're raising any kids of color, it is so crucial, it's so important to be a learner and not just to assume, you know, that parenting a black kid is gonna be the exact same as parenting a white kid in America. It's not, it's not the same at all. So I think that's one thing I've learned is just to be constantly like learning and growing in my understanding of how to be a good dad. And I think the second thing that comes to mind is you know, we have always in our home had very candid and open conversations, you know, whether it was dinner table, age appropriate things about sexuality, about relationships uh, or um, conversations about race and what's what's going on here in America. So anytime there's a tragedy and there's there's, um, you know, a, a massive thing that happens, uh, we talk about it like just unashamedly. Hey, what do you guys think about that? I'm sure you heard about that. What does that do to you? What do you think? You know, what does it feel like to be black in a predominantly white school in South Austin? Um, those conversations have become very normal to us. And so some people, you know, ask us, uh, you know, is it hard to have conversations about race with your kids? Um, and for us, it's not hard. It's just become such a normal part of talking about life. Uh, it's hard to answer some things sometimes. It's hard to see the you know, the reality of what it's like to um, experience America as a person of color. Those are hard, like, things to, like, uh, unravel and and um, dialogue about. But it's not hard to enter, um, you know, really candid 
conversations about life and what's going on because soon our kids will leave here and uh, we want to set them off, you know, as adults that have already been talking about this and have already been learning and know that they have a white mom and dad that don't just care about white culture or see things through the lens of what it's like to be white in America, but hopefully have eyes open to other experiences and, and how people navigate through the complexities of what it's like to live in America. Yeah, I think that culture of candid conversation, even from when your kids are little and before maybe it feels like you have really big things to talk about, um, it's huge because it sets the stage for so many other things. Um, yeah. yeah, like uh, we just had a conversation uh, last week. One of our kids um, had uh, a person at school come up and they had um, a swastika written on their, drawn on their hand. And they were talking about how much they love Hitler and, um, you know, what, what does that feel like for you to be black and he hates, you know, all people of color and I love Hitler and all this kind of stuff. And so our, our kid came home and they were disturbed, like deeply disturbed by that. But the conversations have already been going that it was, it felt normal to be able to talk about that. Okay. Well, how, how did that affect you? Um, what do you think about what that person said? Where do you think that sort of ideology would come from, from somebody who's still in middle school? You know, um, that candid culture that you're talking about is so crucial, especially for being white parents raising kids of color. Yeah, we kind of, as a general rule, I think we never said it, but it's kind of become, and as parents of young adults and teens, like we kind of make it our like job almost to like bring up the conversations that, that yeah. sh- not shock our kids, but like, you know, like it, we find it like, it's like our job to say the thing that maybe everyone's thinking, but no one wants to say, like, you know, say the word, say the concept, bring up the question, you know, right. and it's always like, mom, you know, we don't yeah. want to talk about that. And I'm like, I know I'm just, I'm just going to throw it out there guys. <laughs> yeah. Because, you know, if parents aren't provoking those conversations, um, kids in general, aren't going to just bring them up, but no. they are thinking about them. They're wrestling through them. They're talking to their peers about them. And so Jamie and I are pretty fearless in like provoking those sort of conversations, being the initiator in, did you guys hear about this? What do you think about that? Yeah, for sure. I bet you there's some really interesting conversations that happen in your house with four teenagers. (laughs) Oh yeah. It's, it's unbelievable. Some of the things that we talk about. (laughs) Yeah. So you already alluded to some of the things, but what do you love Aaron about being an adoptive dad? We're interrupting this interview to ask you to do us a favor. Really, it's not for us, but for adoptive and foster parents just like you. If you find our podcast helpful, pause this episode and revisit your podcast app where you can rate and review the show. Honestly, this isn't about making us feel good. This is about other parents finding confidence, hope, and friends who understand. Thanks so much for helping us get the word out. We really appreciate you. Now back to the conversation. So you already alluded to some of the things, but what do you love, Aaron, about being an adoptive dad? Um, I just love being a dad in general. Um, I, you know, never have been like a, a baby kind of person, you know, like when somebody's like, oh, look at my baby. I'm always like, oh, okay, cool. Um, but I've like grown in my love for just being like a father. Um, and I think when it comes to being an adoptive dad, honestly, like I don't really think very often about being an adoptive dad, you know? Um, because so much of fathering, so much of parenting is about seeing these humans that, that God has entrusted you 
to kind of shepherd into adulthood. You know, like we're not just raising kids. We don't just want kids to be obedient and to be perfect, but we're, we're raising adults to, to be sent out, to be agents of change in the world, to be successful through the lens of like, you know, being a, a responsible person that cares and loves and is kind and is generous. So I don't know that I have something favorite about being an adoptive father because our, our life now, you know, 17 years into parenting, they just, they're just my kids, you know, that I don't really think about being an adoptive father until somebody asks me, what's it like to be an adoptive father? Um, so I, I think, you know, to answer your question, because you probably want like a real answer. I think what I love the most is how um, it has caused our family to be incredibly diverse in um, what people are into, what our family thinks about, what how people dress and what their passions are. You know, having like people from different countries and with different skin colors makes it so, so interesting. I love how diverse our family is. And not just our, you know, kids that we've adopted, but the spheres of people that are kind of hovering around our family all the time. We have a really good friend that, that lives with us um, that's a Mexican 23-year-old. And that's really good for our family, too, to, to kind of see life through his perspective and his upbringing. We have friends all the time that are here that are just very different than us. And I love that about being an adoptive dad. Yeah, I love that. Um, is there anything else that you could name how adoption, being an adoptive family, has shaped or changed your life other than that diversity, which is obviously fantastic and a, also a great answer. But yeah, I'll throw it um, back to you. I think it's it's shaped us, um, you know, the the further that you get into being an adoptive, um, you, I think sometimes your perspective shifts on really what does caring for the orphan mean? Like what's the zoomed out version of what it means? What's a holistic kind of mindset on caring for the orphan? Because we're all called, uh, if you're a Christian, there's like a mandate, there's a calling on our life to care for the widow and to care for the orphan. Um, and no one's really exempt from that. But that doesn't always mean adopting a kid from, you know, from America or from another country. There are so many other opportunities and there are other ways to really care for the orphan and to care for the birth mother and the birth father. Um, that adoption is, is almost like it's too narrowed in how we care for the orphan. So it's caused um, us to really care about refugees that are coming into Texas that don't come with a parent. I mean, they're you know, 10, 15 years old, and they don't have any parents. They crossed the border and they got here and they're like, what do I do now? You know, that's a part of orphan care is caring for someone that came here that doesn't have a mom and a dad, um, or not just caring um, about the, you know, uh, abortion issue um, from the front end of it. But what happens after an abortion? How do we care for the birth mom, right? That's now going through uh, a tremendous tragedy and the loss in her life. It's caused Jamie and I to really zoom out and go, okay, orphan care is bigger than adoption. Adoption is one piece, but we should all care really deeply about what it means to care for the orphan. Yeah, that's beautiful. And I think, you know, when my husband and I started thinking about adoption more seriously, and we were kind of like narrowed in to adoption, and we went to some of the very first Christian Alliance for Orphan gatherings. I just remember our world like being blown, like wide open and just being like, and it's almost like embarrassing to like talk about it now to be like, yeah. oh, duh. Like, you know, there's so many pieces to this 
orphan and widow and vulnerable children and all the pieces of the puzzle and all the ways, you know, you know, there's a book about the adoption adoption constellation, right? It's not even just the triad. Mm-hmm. Like there's when a birth mother places a child, like there's grandparents who's a grand ah. child. And when we welcome a child into our family through adoption, right? Like it just, it touches everyone, you know, it touches our friends yeah. and our family. Yeah. And it's just, there's so many interwoven pieces. Um, Absolutely. Yeah. I think the other ma- kind of major thing that we've learned, and this is what Jamie and I are, are really, um, you know, zealous about telling other families that are considering adoption, because we do get asked often, like, where do we start? Um, should we adopt? Where should we adopt from? What is adoption like? You know, and I think one of the things that we always try to like really press into people is um, like learning as much as you can about adoption um, before you enter into that and not assuming that it's this super glamorous, super flashy, you know, really cool thing to do because adopting a, a baby um, from someone from somewhere and bringing them into your family is very, very different than raising a 17 year old, right? It's very different. And so I think Jamie and I went into it super blind. Like we didn't know what it would be like to, to raise black kids. We didn't know the complexities of what it's like for someone to be uprooted from everything that they know, right? As a two year old or a four year old, like our two kids from Haiti. And then come here and you expect it just to be like, oh, fun. It's awesome. Aren't you, aren't you so happy to be here? Aren't um, you so grateful that we yeah, saved you? Yeah. Right. And there's, there's, there is tragedy and there is loss in every single adoption story. Every single one. There are complexities to an adoption story, whether it's from the perspective of the birth mother or the birth father or the kid's traumatic experience that they went through. Um, it's always laced with suffering and tragedy. And I think it's really important for people to understand as they're considering, um, you know, what God has for them in terms of adoption. And then to surround yourself with community. Like we have several friends who, um, you know, have also adopted kids and it's helpful to go, here's what we're experiencing. Here's some of the things that we're wrestling through. Okay, we're not alone and we don't have it figured out. You don't either, but at least there's some helpful dialogue in how to do it as best as we possibly can. Yeah. And really the adoption connection was born out of some of that because Lisa and I both, um, we adopted kind of around when you guys, you know, it's been decade or decades, you know, like it's been, uh, and there weren't as many resources in this like trauma informed adoption informed world. You know, Dr. Purvis was just making her debut, like all of these different things. Right. And so we all came in like bright eyed and bushy tailed young and with a lot of energy. And some of us have walked through the heartbreaking things and, there were not resources, you know, we were like, no one told us quite this was, you know, that it was going to go this way. And, 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 and what now? Um, and so the adoption connection was really born out of this need in post adoption care for families to say, like, you know, where's my community? Or am I really alone? Or and, uh, mm-hmm. and then also the practical, like, what, you know, what do we do in these situations? So absolutely. Yeah, yeah you mentioned Dr. Purvis, and, and she's been super helpful. And you're right. 17 years ago, there weren't a whole lot of resources or conversations about this. And so typically when somebody, and this just happened, a, 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 you know, a couple months ago, um, someone came to me and said, um, hey, we're thinking about adoption one day. Like, where, where do we start? And I think the right place to start is by just having eyes open and learning, you know, being, being, finding good friends who 
our adoptive um, parents and like, what does that look like? What, what complexities are there? What layers are there to be reading books? Like not to just jump in, uh, like you said, bright eyed, bushy tail, um, but to walk into that with eyes wide open because it will stretch you and it will stretch that child so much more than you can possibly imagine because it's not, it's not this glamorous thing. It's something that like God loves. Um, he loves when, um, you know, when we care for the orphan in that way, but it's also incredibly difficult. It's incredibly difficult. Um, and Jamie and I are super thankful that God wrote that into our story. Um, but he doesn't write it into everybody's story. And so it's okay to like walk through a season of discovery and learning and, um, having yourself like, you know, shaped and pressed and ask questions. And what does that mean? What does it look like? And is this the best way for me to care for the orphan or God, are you calling me to care for the orphan? in another way. I tell people a lot, like find another adoptive family who might need you because there's a lot of us out there who need, you know, more hands on deck. So sometimes it's, you know, adopting a whole other, like adopting a whole adoptive family, right? Like, absolutely. so that is a fantastic message to kind of like those pre-adoptive families. What message would you have for adoptive dads who are kind of like, like kind of in the middle of it, Maybe it's not exactly what they were expecting. Maybe they feel like they're in the trenches. Maybe yeah. they have an infant that maybe they don't relate to yet because they'd rather be parenting teens. Or maybe they have teens that are making big decisions that ultimately we can't control. Like, what Do you have encouragement for dads who are kind of like in the thick of it? For sure. Um, you know, as dads, we don't have um, any say or any control over the choices that our, our kids make. You know, we can try, we can try to shepherd them and parent them in the very, very best way we can. But at the end of the day, um, the choices and the things that our kids make along the way um, are their own. And so we just get to come alongside them and help point them in the right direction and show them the right way. And what that requires is a ton of patience. I think adoptive dads, but also fathers in general, um, you know, there's a requirement for a lot of patience to see as much as you can, like, further down the road than the moment you're in. You know, I mentioned like parenting adults, like it's really easy for me to get caught up in 15 year old drama and me thinking, oh my God, they're going to make the worst decisions in their entire life. And they're going to end up in prison. And what if they don't get in college and, you know, they're going to destroy their life. But it's helpful as a dad to, to be patient and go, okay, God, this is your kid. You made them. They're in your image, not in mine. So you are ultimately the one that's going to have to like shepherd them along the way. And I want to have like forward thinking of who is he or she going to be when they're 25 or when they're 40 or when they're 50. That requires some patience and it requires like not taking the present moment like so seriously that you miss the zoomed out version of God loves this kid and God put this kid in our family for a reason. For whatever reason, he chose uh, over everybody else on the planet for Aaron Ivy to be the parent of Caden, Deacon, Amos, and Story, right? And so I can trust him with my kids. I can trust that he's going to work it out and be patient and loving along the way. Okay, so you've mentioned Jamie a couple times, and you guys have done things as a team, best as I can tell, even from like your adoption story. Like we, you were like, it wasn't like Jamie dragged me to Bethany. It was like we were doing this together. And right. so you guys have a project that you've been working on that recently just came out. Will you tell us a little bit about that? Yeah, we, we swore that there are there, there two books that Jamie and I would never write. One is a book on parenting and one is a book on marriage. Um, and we ended up writing a book about marriage. It's called Compliment. 
And uh, it's actually two books in one. So you get like a little sleeve set and then there's compliment by Aaron Ivy and there's compliment by Jamie Ivy. And we wanted to take like kind of 10 concepts, 10 things that we've learned about marriage, things like serve, forgive, fight, love, sex, parenting, mission, and give you our individual perspective on how we complement each other in marriage. You know, the goal of marriage is that, you know, it wouldn't be one person oppressing the other or one person uh, holding their thumb down uh, on the other person. But the goal of marriage would be that two very different people come together and bring out the best in the other person. Like two complementary colors, you know, um, one color on its own is awesome. But when you have two complementary colors that come together, it's something more beautiful than the actual individual color. And that's what we believe marriage is supposed to be. So whether it's through things like serving or being on mission or it's through parenting, you know, I want to bring the best out in Jamie as a mom and she strives to bring the best out in me as a dad. And so we both wrote on those 10 chapters. We didn't read each other's uh, books until we sent them to the editor. And so you're getting the the, the real raw kind of versions of uh, each of our perspectives. But we hope it's helpful for people that are embarking into marriage or are, um, you know, first couple years of marriage or are just stuck. And they're like, man, there's got to be more to marriage and life than the one that we have. We hope it's helpful for anybody who's like thinking through what is marriage and how do I have one that's like, thrilling and life-giving and fun, hard for sure, but actually complimenting each other and bringing out the best. Oh, so excited. I love that you wrote them separately um, and we get to hear both perspectives. That's super fun. So thanks for sharing that with us. We're really excited about that. Where can we find it? I mean, Amazon or websites like... In anywhere you would buy books, um, there's an audiobook version too that Jamie and I read. Um, but Amazon's a great place to get it. And it's compliment with an E, not compliment You're with right. an I. We're supposed to compliment our spouse with an I, but we wrote about complimenting uh, with an E. And then there's a separate resource that you can get also. It's a seven week uh, Bible study uh, that couples can go through and dive uh, really, really deep into like what the Bible says about these 10 concepts. So you can get Jamie and Aaron's perspective, and then you can also get like, perspective from something way better like the bible well aaron i know you're a busy guy thanks so much for taking some time to just share your thoughts your life um your heart with our audience we really appreciate it absolutely it was uh it was a blast thank you so much for having me i really enjoyed that conversation melissa i appreciated that you both went into a deeper conversation about race and like being a white parent of black kids, that all these things matter and that we have to be open to learning a lot and listening a lot. So I, that for me was kind of a highlight of your conversation. Yeah. We're kind of all in the thick of it with parenting teens transracially. And yeah, so it was kind of fun to connect. If you want to hang out more with Aaron, you can do that on Instagram. He's at Aaron Ivy ATX. And if you don't listen to the happy hour with Jamie Ivy, his wife, that's, that was my first introduction to podcasts many moons ago. Um, so that's a fun listen as well. We'll have links to all of those things, including their new book compliment at the show notes. And you can get to those at the adoption connection.com slash one three five. Before you go, we'd love to connect with you on social media. You can find us on Facebook or Instagram as The Adoption Connection. 
Thanks so much for listening. We love having you. If you enjoyed this episode, please leave a quick review over on iTunes. It will help us reach more moms who may be feeling alone. And remember, until next week, you're a good mom doing good work and we're here for you. The music for the podcast is called New Day and was created by Lee Rosevere.